friends. Oh my gosh, new year, new us. Hey. Hey. Uh, it's Sarah and Jeff. We're back again for your favorite therapy podcast. This changes everything. How are you doing in this new year, Jeff? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> Whatever we have to tell ourselves <laughs> to survive. That's what we're doing. I cannot wait for 2023. 2023 is going to be such a fantastic year. 23 was is one of my favorite numbers. Yes. Um, so I'm, I say that yes just because I'm guessing Michael Jordan. Well, uh, yes, Michael Jordan, 100%. Look at me. Mm-hmm, you're right. Sports. <laughs> Sports. And also my favorite Blink-182 song, What's My Age Again, is when they talk about Becoming 23. Everybody likes you when you're 23. That's right. Actually, that is incorrect. Everybody likes you when you're a female and you're 23. <laughs> Nobody likes you when you're 37 and above. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Then you fall, Then you become your true self and everybody likes you because you're just... You're just authentic. Yeah. Doing you. Yeah. 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 It's hot. Mm-hmm. You're entering what I call the fuck it 40s, oh, which is the best time Oh, in I'm in the fuck it 40s. I just turned 42, so I'm well yeah. into the fuck it 40s. And let me tell you... I'm 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 right there. I'm, I'm just saying fuck it to everything. Fuck it, fuck right? Fuck it, fuck it. I'm forty. I'm in my forties. Yeah, nothing yeah. matters. Mm-hmm. Yes, I encourage this. <laughs> yeah, I encourage it too. Definitely, one hundred percent. How yeah. are you doing over there? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Eli ha- says that he needs me he was like don't say i said anything probably he's probably said that uh but he wants everybody to know that he has redeemed himself (laughs) in the present giving but i was like redeemed yourself for what you know i said like maybe because he said he was a bad gift giver but he uh was a great gift giver this holiday season he was so thoughtful and best of all which i did not ask for (laughs) he got me a card that was handwritten, like blank on the inside, wrote out, and I opened it up. It was two, pay- two like full side, wow. both sides filled. Wow. And I cried, of course. It was so adorable and so sweet and like, you know, all the cheesy stuff you want to hear. I was like, this is so romantic and wonderful. It really is this little stuff that counts. And uh, so, yeah, he did a great job. He went, like, with a theme. We both really enjoyed uh, watching the Great British Bake Off. So I got one of those mixers, like, fancy mixer. Ooh, very nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. with a card that said, I love your soggy bottom on it. <laughs> and if you are a fan of the Great British Baking Show, that is a hilarious joke. It is. So it was wonderful, and he is a great gift giver, so... He basically wants me to let everybody know that he's perfect in every way. He doesn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I love to hear it. But Eli, you are setting yourself up, man, because you're going to have to right? top yourself every year. Right. And you're going to have to continue the tradition of being a, a good gift giver. It's actually, it's a lot easier to be a bad gift giver. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all know those people. We have very low expectations for them. But Eli... You're setting yourself up, but I, I bet you're going to knock it out of the park every single time. And that card is such a good touch. Love that. That is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Go with the It's all I need. I need a card. Like, I didn't ask for it, but I think he knew because I write people cards. Mm-hmm. Like, so, mm-hmm. you know, I like to write cards every now and then. And so he probably put it in his memory bank that, you know, yeah, it was good. It's great. So. Good job. But I also realized that, like, the whole commercialism of the season kind of makes me want to throw up a little bit. But There's that, too. Yeah, the consumerism. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was nice to have family time. It was really nice to spend time with my brothers. This is the first time I've ever had a white Christmas, like, snowing. Well, that's right. Yeah, I've never lived in the snow on Christmas. That was really magical and fun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. It snowed here in Portland, too, on Christmas. So... Oh, I saw some hilarious videos of the slipping and sliding around. Well, that was up in Seattle. I could not stop watching those videos with the Seattle ice storm. <laughs> it was so good. Just It was, like, scary. You know, I, I didn't see any, yeah. like, videos where anybody was hurt. But just cars just sort of slowly <laughs> going, sliding down the hills. And people trying so hard to cross the street. It's just, why are you out? What are you doing? Right. What? Do, you, do they not have those little spiky things they could put on their shoes? They don't. Do they not know about those there? They don't know about those, yeah. I say that like I'm an expert. I've been here one season. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you guys don't have the spiky things on your shoes? I don't even know what they're called, see? Yeah, I'm they're just crampons, them spiky things. I think. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Ah, uh, so lovely. I spent but so many hours you know what? watching that. The, this, the, just like you saying that I've spent so many hours watching those videos is kind of a perfect lead in for something that I can't believe we've waited this long to talk about. Yeah. One of the feelings that is most common, everybody experiences it. We're talking about sadness. Hmm. And one of the things that makes anybody feel better when they're sad is watching hilarious videos. So <laughs> That's true. If you're going to take anything yeah. away from this podcast episode, it's when you're <laughs> sad, watch people falling down on ice. There's nothing better. Uh, does that actually help you feel better when you're feeling kind of down to watch like those kind of silly videos? If there's something that's just like so... I mean, I also watch the show Ridiculousness. You ever watch that oh on my, MTV? Of course I do. It's basically the only show on MTV other than the challenge. <laughs> this right? is true. This is true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'll go ahead and watch 15 episodes in a row of Ridiculousness, which is very similar to watching people fall down on ice. And oh my yeah. God, I just, I laugh my ass off. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so if you haven't figured it out, yeah, we're talking about what to do when you're having sad feelings. What makes us feel better? You know, this is kind of like, uh, you know, our own personal take mm-hmm. on sad feelings, which I feel like don't, is it just me or do you feel like post pandemic world there is a, I don't know, sometimes like heavy, sad feelings mm. are, are, I don't know, closer or, or yeah. we've experienced this, this intense kind of uh, uh, grief mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it just feels like those feelings that maybe were unimaginable for some are a little more familiar yeah it does feel that way i don't know if that's real but it feels real <laughs> it, yeah. it does yeah, feel it like does. it does feel like there was a shift where there was like the before days when maybe yeah. i wasn't as sad and then pandemic hit and all of the stuff came to the surface um that could be i don't know maybe like i was privileged enough not to have to like deal with all the like sad stuff or I I could like put my head in the sand before the pandemic with like a lot of things and then all of a sudden it felt like I couldn't or it was irresponsible if I didn't or something but I don't know the stress level the anxiety the uncertainty the unpredictability like all of a sudden the pandemic hit and I didn't feel as grounded as I felt before and when I don't feel as grounded there's like more cracks and more areas for like sadness to come up so I've been more of a sad boy since the pandemic hit. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, and, and I noticed this when during the pandemic and then again, when I went and stayed with my mom, when she, my mom Mm. had a really bad accident Mm -hmm. and I, you know, came down and stayed with her for a month as like, we're stuck indoors, like Mm -hmm. as her, and I'm her caregiver inside. And I think when you take away people's normal uh, coping strategies or coping mechanisms, you know, you don't realize how important just being outside, mm. interacting with other people, having conversations, getting smiles and, and even just like nods on the street of recognition, like as a human, mm-hmm. like how, how much those things help with your, mm, I don't know, emotional, yeah, just your general happiness. Tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah emotional tank. Just like really like being forced to get out of your routine yeah. was kind of jarring for a lot of us. So the sadness yeah. has like, yeah, sunk in. And there's, let's, before we kind of like, so we're going to talk about sadness and then Sarah and I are going to talk about different ways that we personally kind of like cope with that sadness. These may be like very similar things that we talk to our clients about too. Um, But there is a difference between sadness and depression, right? Depression is something that's more long-term. I think, what, like severe depression in the DSM is something like it has to last six months or longer Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Or even like... With experiencing it most days of the week in all different areas of life, not just one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's also like a low-grade depression, which is called dysthymia. Is that still in the DSM? (laughs) I think so. I think so, yeah. Um, which is just sort of like 
a low-grade depression where it lasts for, a certain, I think, maybe three months. I'm sounding like a horrible therapist, but I haven't memorized the DSM, so it's problematic in certain ways. It's just that, like, the the there's, like, depression that is, like, longer-lasting, and then there's sadness, which you can, like, feel at moments throughout the day, or you have a sad yes. week, or it can be really situational, right, where, like, you're feeling sad because of grief or yeah. unpredictability or you lost a job or something like that. Yeah. You know, I think sadness is such a feeling. I have friends who have children, Mm -hmm. and I watch my very emotionally aware, because a lot of them are therapists, Mm -hmm. uh, friends, talk to their children about such a range of feelings. When When their child feels sad, they talk about those feelings of sadness. They go, what are you feeling right now? Oh, you feel sad? Where do you feel that? Oh, you feel that in your heart? Mm-hmm. Oh, like, and they point to their heart. It's like the cutest thing in the whole world. Like, <laughs> like, oh, God, break my heart right there. And I feel like a lot of us did not get the language for emotions, period, mm-hmm. let alone Uh, I won't even call them negative. We'll call them like uncomfortable emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times parents will try to transform that emotion. Uh, What are you, what are you crying about? You have nothing to be sad about, or I'll give you something to cry about, or uh, uh, just be happy here. Have this Mm -hmm. candy, have this, whatever, you know, here's this toy, feel better. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to transform it or, or trying to like, change it into something else rather than acknowledging what it is. So I think, you know, I even struggled as an adult to feel feelings of sadness myself. And what does that even feel like? Because I just wanted to ignore them for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's totally true. If parents, if you're listening, one of the best things you can do is just name the emotions and feelings that you think your kid is going through so they can kind of like check in with themselves to see if that's how they feel. They can like create, develop this emotional vocabulary that's like nuanced and has all the different emotions oh my god their emotional intelligence would skyrocket by doing this very simple thing and i like you know like you're saying i i was literally told when i was six years old and i was playing t-ball that there's no crying in baseball and this was like before the famous line of no crying in baseball but i i cried every time i like struck out or i couldn't get a hit i felt so bad and so embarrassed and so ashamed i try to wipe my tears away i try to hide them because i was so embarrassed by them uh, oh and my but like look at how many emotions you just named even in that moment that little you could have benefited from oh, i know break my heart i know if i was just i just wanted someone to hug me and be like it's okay like i under, it's really sad when you strike out you know the whole team is counting on you there's a lot of pressure on you but you know like it's fine take your it time it means that you care mm-hmm. yeah i care it's yeah. okay if you're crying out there in the field still trying to work through it you know like, like yeah. there was there was nobody doing that for me it was so upsetting God. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, even I can I can think about what it was like as a female, like as a little girl growing up, mm-hmm. how there was still kind of that attitude, but a little boy. Oh, my gosh. Where they say, like, you're not like there's no crying in baseball. Literally. Says who? There's so much there. <laughs> Has have they never seen a baseball game because there is so much crying with baseball <laughs> yeah. when the other team loses or the other team wins yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Have you seen yeah. a major league baseball game? Yeah. World Series game? Come on. Uh, it's, come on. It's heartbreaking when you lose or when yeah. you do something bad. But I don't know if it's baseball especially, but just like team sports, a lot of people can feel so much pressure to perform yeah. well. And if you don't, you don't just let down yourself, you let down the team. So this kind of like goes into one of my first recommendations, if you're feeling sad, which is now I allow my sad feelings to be as big as they need to be. Oh. Right? So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna cry. Yeah. I'm gonna be really weepy. For me, I feel it usually in my heart and behind my eyes, because like the tears are welling up there. So I'm gonna like let it out. I'm going to, and that might be like just laying on the floor and being the most saddest sad boy there ever was, just sort of like really kind of like going into it and feeling it. And also sort of like watching my feelings, trying to just resonate with the feeling or the vibration of the feeling, but being curious Mm -hmm. about like, how is it going to affect my thoughts? 
you know, like I don't have to believe in the thoughts, but I could watch how it's affecting my thoughts. So yeah. it's going to affect my, yeah. like how hungry I am or what, what I'm thinking or what I want to do. Um, and I just sort of like create as much space on my own for all those feelings, which is, which also feels scary for me sometimes because it feels like it's going to take over. Okay, well, we're talking about what to do when you feel sad, but uh, I know one thing that is no longer making me feel sad, and that's all the stress I experience. Uh, Why you say? Well, I go to Next Evo Naturals to help me relax with the CBD complex that is proven to have more absorption than all the other stuff out there. Like, I want this stuff to work fast, I want it to work quick, and I want it to be clinically proven. And that's what Nexivo Naturals provides. They are scientifically formulated by a consumer product team with decades of experience. And each product is tested rigorously and has been clinically studied. And, you know, I love all that. So make CBD a part of reaching your full potential with Next Evo Naturals. Go to nextevo.com slash podcast and use promo code changes to get 20% off your first order of $40 or more. That's 20% off $40 or more at nextevo.com slash product with code changes. All right, back to some good advice on what to do when you're sad. Can you narrate, like, if we were to go inside your head, kind of like the movie Inside Out? <laughs> Such a good movie. If we're talking about sadness, it's so amazing. So if we were to, like, go inside Jeff's head in that moment and, like, what it sounds like, what you're saying to yourself in those moments as you're kind of observing mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. and aware of kind of like those two tracks, the, the automatic thoughts and then the mm-hmm. awareness of that thoughts. What's that sounding like? Well, it, so I'll tell you what it's sounding like because it also it also kind of like starts to go into my second uh, suggestion. So first, I'm just it, there's it's very like my sad feelings start out very catastrophic. So like I'm never if I'm like grieving uh, an ex or something, I'm gonna be like I'm never gonna find love like that ever again. I can never truly be myself with anybody else. Um, I this like that was like the one that got away and now I have to live with like the sadness for the rest of my life. So lots of like it's always going to be it's I'm yes. never going to be better. Always and never are like words that are happening the whole time. Um oh god. <laughs> and just like thinking about it and talking about it like yeah. you can really come up. So like when that sort of stuff happens, the always and nevers, I start to go into like okay, I'm just going to be as compassionate as I possibly can with myself, like just ridiculously caring. So it makes sense, Jeff, that you're feeling this sad. You are so attached to her. The relationship was so sweet. It was so playful. You haven't ever felt a love like that before. That relationship was incredibly impactful. You haven't talked to her for so long. Your heart hurts. You yearn for her. You long for her. You don't ever think you'll have like a sexy connection like that ever again. So you also feel like you're grieving the best sex of your life. You know, so so there's just like so understanding. Maybe, I mean, it's compassion, but it's it's mostly just sort of like allowing myself, like giving myself space to feel all the feelings and look at like all the thoughts that are attached to it Um, and not judging myself. And not thinking that I'm, like, the most pathetic little emo boy ever. Just sort of, like, giving myself that space. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so... I love how when we are in that place of judgment where we are feeling like always and never, Mm -hmm. it's always I. And (laughs) I'm never going to feel different than this. I'm the worst. I'm never going to find love Mm-hmm. And as soon as we switch into that compassionate, like we find that understanding, like listening, wise mind voice, instantly you can rewind this episode <laughs> and you can like go back two minutes and you can hear Jeff switch mm. from a I to a you're going to, you even said Jeff, you're like, Jeff, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And we talk like that. So if we can find that compassionate voice that voice is is and and sometimes it's hard to find it within us i like to pick a a a nurturing figure in your life for some Mm. people like even if it's made up and i highly recommend the grandmother from moana she is fantastic for that voice (laughs) she was my she's great 
so I love her, but like uh, pick your grandma, pick somebody else's grandma, pick like a teacher that loved you and had that care for you. Mm. that You just like feel like would say the thing that is so sweet and so kind and like being able to just like, it's okay. And like rub your back almost like a, it feels like a sadness hangover. Like you just have to kind of go through the emotional vomiting and like, you know, just have somebody create space and rub your back a little bit and you have to do it to yourself. Yeah. And that, this is also like, we're talking, we're kind of talking about reparenting where you're like, you're reparenting oh, yourself, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which is important. Because we're saying it's okay to have those sad feelings. Yes. That is exactly it because of that lack of like, I am so excited for what the future Mm -hmm. generations who get that message, Mm -hmm. who are given permission to have sad feelings Mm -hmm. and like see sad feelings in others and can have more compassion and understanding like, oh, if we can start that with ourselves and we could do it for other people, it's a very beautiful thing. But it is so, so hard to find that place within yourself if you have not. Mm-hmm. had that modeled and if you are in those sad moments because mm. they feel like they're going to last forever it does Ugh, that's the worst it feels like it's going to last forever and you i think one of your points is that recognizing like the temporary nature of feelings yes. right yes Can you talk more about you know that? i even think about like why you know if i can explain it in a very in a very logical way like take the emotion of like okay why does it feel right now that these emotions are going to last forever? Hmm. And how come it feels like when I'm having fun, that's like, it goes by so fast. You know, we always say mm-hmm. this feeling like something is going to last forever in a weird way in my mind tells me that I need to do something. Hmm. I think about what would happen if I did, if my brain said, oh, so like if I were to stick my hand in fire, mm-hmm. if I were like, oh, this pain is just temporary, it's going to go away. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be encouraged to pull my hand out of the fire mm-hmm. and I'd probably have a worse burn. But there's something in my brain that goes, oh my God, if you don't pull your hand back, this pain will last for forever. So you better do something. Mm-hmm. So I think about that with the lies that my brain tells myself that that sad brain is like lying to me. That sad brain is, is, has a different job and its job is, is to make me not sad. And it has a terrible way of doing that. (laughs) It's way of doing that is like the worst roommate ever. Who's like, you're going to feel like this forever (laughs) in hopes that maybe that will get you to do something, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't, Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to override that and be like, no, but Roommate, I'm not going to feel like this forever. I felt like this a year ago, and that didn't last for forever, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I know, but what did you do before? Well, before I like got up and I took a shower. Mm. Well, maybe I should get up and take a shower now. And you take like one teeny, teeny, tiny, tiny step towards feeling a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But I have to really fight that part and explain to myself and like why it feels like forever. Hmm. I like that. I don't. I don't think yeah. I've like ever really kind of looked at it like that. But it makes a lot of sense. Your brain is trying to like send these sort of like big, huge messages. Like you could feel this yeah. way forever, so you should probably do something about it. Because mm-hmm. if you were to, if you were to kind of like boil that down and like you know, say what are other times like if I were experiencing pain, mm-hmm. which is really just what sad, those sad feelings are in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it hurts my heart. We even say that I'm heartbroken. It's like oh, oh. a painful physical feeling i don't want to feel this pain anymore then yeah it's gonna say like pull your hand out of the fire Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's the but there's this feeling of like i'm trapped i can't do that like i don't have the ability yeah you feel like you're too weak you don't have enough strength there and then you sort of like start to wallow in it because it just feels so overwhelming and sometimes then it becomes like your identity And that's the risk is that like you connect to it too much and that's just how you see everything. And you do believe for a little while that you feel like it's going to last forever. Um, But I I, like, you know, you're saying I I do try to remind myself that this feeling is temporary. This feeling will pass. It has passed like every other feeling I've ever had. There's been like 
a handful, like maybe five major broken hearts I've had. I've gotten through all of them and I'm better for it and I've grown and I actually am totally like I'm not pining for these people that I thought I was going to pine for for the rest of my life. But sad brain is telling me like, no, this time it's different. Like this yeah, time. You're going to feel like this forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah, oh, it is so sad brain. And it, it helps if you even, you know, call that. And sometimes when you're talking about like wallowing in that feeling, mm. I think that's that's kind of an important thing to touch on. Sometimes it's important to ask like, what function do these feelings serve? What, how are these feelings maybe, and even holding on to those feelings like wallowing in that, like being in that sadness, like, how is that serving you? How is that benefiting you? Mm-hmm. And I think when I was in relationships where I wasn't feeling nurtured. I wallowed in that sadness for extra long because I got nurture from other people mm-hmm. for sharing how sad and heartbroken I was and kind of like it, it was filling the need of giving me what I was missing in my relationships. So I kind of sat there for uh, in that space for a while. And then after a while, I was like, this isn't what I want anymore. And then you kind of get out of it. But I think taking a, a moment when you're able to do so, kind of recognize like, you know, it's, I, it almost feels like I recognize when I look back the times where I definitely, definitely did this. You know when a little kid falls down, but then nobody's around to hear them cry? <laughs> yeah. So then they move to where somebody is in uh-huh. earshot, mm-hmm. and then they start crying again? Your girl may have pulled that one or two times <laughs> in the grown-up version, which is like... Right. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've, maybe, maybe, maybe you can relate, people listening. I don't know. <laughs> is it just me? But so now I kind of recognize, like, how is this serving me? Who am I, like, kind of? And I had a friend who set really serious boundaries and was like, not serious, good, healthy boundaries, where she was like, listen, I'm not going to listen to you complain about this and talk about this until you're willing to do something about it because you're just keeping yourself stuck in this sad, mm. you know, back and forth mm-hmm. in this situation. So until you're ready to get out of this situation, don't come crying to me anymore, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, okay, fine, I'll do something. And yeah, it was just what I needed. So That's perfect. I love it. And it's a question that I ask my clients all the time, like, like you're saying, when they're ready for it. Um, how is this serving you? So you feel sad and then you usually have like a behavioral reaction to it. And sometimes you wallow or sometimes you do the opposite and you pretend like everything's fine, but you're not actually talking about the thing. Like it's usually something that you learned in your childhood or through other important relationships where it did work for you. It actually helped you survive your childhood or get through a tough relationship And now, if you're, like, being sad on your own or you're being sad in a different relationship, it might not serve you anymore. And it's probably a better idea to just be, like, really direct and straightforward about how you're feeling instead of kind of, like, being even more sad, like, wallowing and being a little exaggerated about it or something. Like, I get it. I've done that a million times. Totally. Big emotional displays for kind Mm -hmm. of, like, bids for attention Mm -hmm. and, like, Mm -hmm. not being – and, you know, now that you say that, I I can – I was like, oh, my God, wait a sec. Is this a therapy session that I just <laughs> did not know I signed up for? But, yeah, it's absolutely because there was nobody was able to really communicate their feelings. So instead, it was a big emotional displays. And I tell people, you do not confuse uh, being emotional with being in touch with your emotions. Because mm-hmm. they are two different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Understanding emotions and displaying emotions but not being able to talk about them or work through them or process them or name them or whatever different different just like listen like talking and and communicating yes and on so yeah so that goes so another suggestion of mine if you're sad which maybe feels very obvious but something that we need to talk about one of the best things that I can do when I'm feeling sad is to tell somebody about it. <laughs> like actually go to my therapist, talk to my friends, call someone in my family, somebody that will be able to kind of like mirror it back to me. And I, I probably start out being like, hey, I'm sad. I'm having a, a tough time. And I just want you to listen. I just want to vent. I just want you to like reflect, like do reflective listening. Let me know that you understand. You can empathize or care. I'm not here for problem solving. Like I, I get that like you want me to feel better and you think you maybe can solve my problem. We're not there yet. I'm just like in the feeling stage. So I'm just like express my feelings. And when it feels like somebody really gets it 
oh my God, that can be so healing, so relieving. Maybe like the sadness doesn't like go away, but like you just feel really connected to somebody and seen. Mm. And there's something like really magical that can happen, you know? Is it shared experience that mm. that makes you feel like that? Like, what do you need to feel like, oh my God, somebody gets it? Or is it just like a listening to the... It's, it's tricky because like it's both like I, I want to talk yeah. to somebody that has had a shared experience so that they can understand yeah. what I'm going through. But I also want them to recognize that they've never gone through what I'm going through before. Like it's so right. unique. Isn't that so <laughs> like it's the biggest joke uh-huh. and like so true. Uh-huh. We want to be like, no, nobody understands me. But then they have to be like, oh, yes, you totally get me. Uh-huh. It's like the best. <laughs> So it's a it's a tricky oh. a tricky balance for somebody that yeah. I'm talking to, but I think yeah. that I mean I think you can do it. I think that I I can do that pretty successfully for my friends and for my clients yeah. of like resonating with their feeling, talking about my personal experience if I think that it it matches up or it could help them, mm-hmm. and also being like, but I'm not in your shoes, so I don't know exactly yeah. what you're going through. And so some of the things that like I want to hear from them. Like you might think about like talking to a friend that's going through or a partner or something is like, um, we're in this together, you know, just sort of like somebody uh-huh. be like, I'm in this together. I understand what you're going through. What do you need from me? Somebody just sort of like saying like really nice supportive things. But if I feel like we're, we're connected and, and saying like, we're in this together is offering no help whatsoever, but it's so nice. Yeah. I just, it's like I supportive. It. It's so supportive. I just need you to support me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the hole in the ground uh, analogy? I think maybe it was Brene Brown who talked about mm. this or somebody else before her. I don't know. But uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like the difference between sympathy and empathy and compassion. Oh, no, let's hear it. And so, like, you imagine there's a hole in the ground and you're in the hole, and uh, uh, sympathy is, or, em- empathy is walking by and being like oh I'm, i see you're in a hole that sucks and or no that's sympathy, sympathy. yes, yes. Th- correct mm-hmm. thank you look even i get confused i'm like i got a picture where am i in the hole and then empathy is like oh i've been in a hole before right. i can imagine that that is so terrible mm-hmm. and compassion is like I am in this hole with you mm. and I understand what it feels like because here I am with you. And then there are even, I think there are le- levels beyond that, which is like that love and understanding, which is saying, I mean, I'm willing to use my resources or sacrifice some of my time and energy to help you get out of this hole so you don't have to be in it by yourself or alone or you could feel better or whatever it may be, or I'm going to help you find a ladder or a rope and then mm-hmm. help you get out of this hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And we have to like can just find that to kind of do that to ourselves in a way. Yeah, totally. We we can try to do that for ourselves. And it, these are sort of like good things to keep in mind. Because sometimes as a friend, all I can do is sympathize. I want to be able to empathize or show compassion, but I might not have the emotional capacity or the resilience. I might be going through something myself. I don't have enough time. So I'm going to be like, and being sympathetic is also very sweet and very lovely. And so if you can just bring sympathy or maybe a little bit of empathy, then I'll take it. Um, You don't have to get, you don't have to like crawl down into that hole with them if you don't want to, or if it's like not a good idea for you, just give as much as you can give. Yeah. Like you can imagine somebody being in a hole next to that. Mm Mm-hmm. In their own home, being like, okay, I can't be in that same hole that you're in. It's not a se- the exact same hole, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I can I can understand your situation because mm-hmm. I'm kind of in my own thing right here, yeah. and I don't have the energy to get you out of yours, mm-hmm. but because I got to worry about mine. But it's just like a recognizing and and seeing other people. Yeah. In that same way, that we need to recognize and see ourselves, like whether we're doing yeah, what I the same thing that we provide. For our friends and the people we love, we have to provide for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if that's hard, like sometimes it's hard for people to picture that self or they feel not deserving of that in some way. But if you can almost picture a friend that you're helping mm-hmm. inside your mind, inside your heart, yeah. and like, what would I do for a friend today? When you're feeling sad, do you, is your first move to go to somebody? To get support, no or do you, way. <laughs> you give it to yourself first? 
I want to do everything but talk to people <laughs> who, because like I feel like my identity is the one, the helper, mm -hmm. and the one who's there to be the support for other people. So, it, which I understand is not healthy, guys. We need balance. I know yeah, this is yeah. terrible. Don't be like me. Do as I say, not as I do. Uh, or we're all just on this ride together. Right. I am, you know, so I, I tend to hide when I'm going through stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I've, I'll handle it on my own. Mm -hmm. And I become more isolated because I feel like I don't want to burden people with my problems, which is ex terrible. <laughs> and yeah, it's not. So, you know, I'm practicing asking for help. And I'm practicing, uh, or I'm vocalizing my when I need reassurance that I'm not burdening mm. somebody, mm -hmm. and like I'm not. I kind of do need the reminder, like you don't feel you're okay with doing this, right? Mm. Like it's this doesn't feel like overwhelming to you or anything, and you know I. Like think stupid things, like asking my brother to watch my dog because I wanted to go on like a, you know, weekend ski trip. Sure. I, I, it was like I thought I was going to throw up sending a text message, <laughs> like ask for help. It's not even when I'm sad; it's like normal stuff. But if I'm sad, yeah, I don't. I, I mm -hmm. do you reach out to people or no. do you? I, 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 and I, it's probably like this is more typical of therapists, I think, or people yeah. in the helping profession, which is like funny since we're like trying to encourage people to reach out to others yet we have a problem doing it ourselves it's yes. not the it's not that i think i'm going to be a burden the place that i go is like you're not going to be able to do it like you're like i'm so oh. emotionally complicated or messed up or sad or something that like you just you don't you won't have the skills so i'm the only one that has the skills to help me so i'm just going to do it myself which is okay but in a weird in a way you're kind of right <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to support you feeling like you're all wrong. I just, what I mean to say is you are an expert in you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what makes you feel better. Uh, Sarah, that's the problem is that like, it's also like if I'm talking to a couple and I'm doing couples counseling and someone's like, oh, my, my sweetie isn't like as emotionally supportive as I need them to be, then I'm going to say like, no one's ever going to be a hundred percent what you need them to be. Right. And I can quickly go to that place and be like, cool, then I'm just not going to tell anybody about it, which is a very extreme reaction to that because I yeah. could get, find somebody who can be 30% or 50% or 95% what I need. And it's so relieving and sweet and supportive and healing and everything. And it's, but you know, it makes sense growing up in the childhood that I had where I felt like I yeah. didn't have anybody and nobody was meeting my needs. I wasn't really giving them the opportunity and they also had like a bunch of shit going on themselves. So it makes sense as an adult. I'm going to be like, nobody can meet my needs and I'm going to be all sad about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But so, no, right. Nobody's going to meet all of them, but somebody can maybe. Someone can meet a lot of them. Yeah, mm -hmm. or even like help you decide which movie you want to watch tonight to make you feel better, exactly. or something like that. Yeah, but sometimes it's all it takes. The I, you know, the the thing that we're like kind of also bumping up against or talking about here is this sort of like something to keep in mind is like toxic individualism. We're like we. Oh, tell me more. Right? So like we grew up. You and I grew up in like the U.S. Ugh. Grew up in the West, where. The messages that we received, especially growing up in the 80s and 90s, is sort of like, you are, you should be able to take care of yourself 100%. You should never lean on anybody. Like that person, right. the guy in the movie that just like does his own thing and climbs the mountain without anybody. And, and that's the person that's celebrated. Like you shouldn't have to count on anybody because it's weak, because you're pathetic, because it's, you're being quote unquote girly as if that's the, a bad yeah. thing or something. Right. Um, so like we, sh so this message of like, we shouldn't count on anybody has like really sunk into us and we come, we like operate from that place sometimes. And so that's why I think Sarah and I are trying to kind of like balance this conversation with like, yeah, maybe nobody can really be there for you the way that you can be there for yourself. But also it's important to lean on community, count on people that uh, want you to count on them. Like, but because of this like toxic individualism, yeah. because there's sort of like, you know, we can like quickly label things like you're codependent 
if you're leaning on somebody, then you're being codependent and that's bad and you should feel ashamed. And it's like, ooh, I don't want to be codependent. Codependent is such a bad word. But codependency, that word has been weaponized so that it makes it so that like we don't want to reach out to anybody or lean on anybody. But like your person, your primary attachment figure should be your primary emotional support system. Like also yourself, like also do that for yourself. And also lean into the person who you're with or your family or your best friend or whoever those people are. Absolutely. You know, and it's so, if you flip it around and you think, what would I want my best friend Mm -hmm. to do? What would I want my partner to do in this moment? Like if they're hurting, if they're sad and they're really going through and they need a hug, they need my time, they need whatever, what, what would I want? I would want them to tell me I would want I would want nothing more than to like meet their needs and be there for them and be supportive. Yet we deny other people that Mm -hmm. opportunity to feel that joy and that connection. You're right, because it just like it gets like drilled into our heads Mm -hmm. that there's something weak about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. When really it's like the most beautiful thing ever. I'm not sure if I've ever felt more connected to someone other than when like, like if I like display my complete like sadness and my depression that I'm feeling or the grief that I'm going through and somebody is there with me, I feel so incredibly connected, more connected than maybe like any other time I can feel connected. It's it like you're saying, it's a gift. You're giving somebody the gift, an opportunity yeah. to connect with you in a very sweet way. So keep in mind that there's like this message that we've all like absorbed that it's not okay to express or count on somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that might be like the toxic individualism that's making you think that you have to be a little yeah. island on your own. You know, we talk a lot in, in every episode almost about asking, well, but why, but why, you know, digging a little bit deeper and that those messages of like, Oh, I can't share this with anybody or I can't talk, I can't talk to them about it. And you ask, well, why do you feel Mm -hmm. that way? And usually the answer isn't one that's rooted in something that's real and Mm -hmm. true. Like, Oh, they'll, they won't be able to meet any of my needs or, uh, uh, I'm burdening them and I, they, they don't have time for me. Well, maybe. And if they didn't have time for you, then they would say, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I don't have time for you right at this moment. But I'm, if they were a good friend, I, I want to call me, right, call me back whenever I'm here mm-hmm. for you, mm-hmm. you know, and I can help in this yeah. way. And so we just like have to remind ourselves that it's okay. And again, these feelings aren't going to be forever. They're not going to be forever. Give them an opportunity to connect, but also give them, if you're feeling up for it, give them an opportunity to disappoint you. Like see who actually can't be there for you and be like, oh, that person can't be there for me in this specific way. So I'm going to go to somebody else. Um, See if they can like step up to the plate, you know, and if they can't, then note that. Give them a few other tries. Let them know that maybe you feel a little let down. You don't have to like write them off forever. But instead of being like, no, I'm a burden and I know that I'm a burden, like see if they actually see you as a burden, you know, like let's do some testing here. Yeah. And we don't want to be just like confirming our our Mm -hmm. beliefs Mm -hmm. and looking for people who are just like, yeah, confirm our worst fears. Like definitely go to like the appropriate Mm -hmm. people to do that because people want to, yeah, want to help. But oh man, in that sad place, it is so hard i do have to watch do things like watch movies that remind me like inside Mm -hmm. out you know i have to watch a movie that says it's okay to be sad Mm -hmm. and feel feelings the other one that did it for me was the movie christopher robin (laughs) god it sounds so silly but it would that that one he like gave him like permission to play and be a kid and Mm -hmm. i was like oh god i need to play and be a kid and relax a little (laughs) Yeah. yeah So do you have a, do you have a go-to like thing that you do in those moments to kind of like feel those feelings, lean into them a bit? Um, I I don't watch movies, but I'll listen to sad music and I'll put on like, Uh there's some really sad music by Jimmy Eat World. (laughs) Jimmy Eat World is just sort of like this, you know, emo band from the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and they write some of the saddest, <laughs> most sorrow kind of music. And I used to listen to it when I felt really sad in the early 2000s. So it kind of brings me back to that place. And, and I just allow myself to listen to all the saddest songs I can find. And that allows me to... I mean, did anyone f- feel more than a teenager <laughs> no. listening to angsty uh, music? No. Oh, I love those teens. Oh my God, the feelings were so intense. Oh, so intense with the soundtrack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really the peak. Nobody understands yeah. me. Feelings. Love those little, those little dudes. Um, yeah, and you know, in a way, I think when you go back and revisit that music from a time where you probably felt like nobody understands me, but then there's a part of your wise mind that can recognize, well, I'm not that. Mm. 13 year old anymore and I'm okay mm-hmm. that it also kind of sending those messages like we're going to get through mm-hmm. this and you know because I think that a lot of people find comfort in oh my that God, so much comfort yeah. and if the mm-hmm. if the sadness is about grief I'll probably listen to like Third Eye Blind or Not A Surf is another one of my favorite bands where there's just like so many like heart like broken hearted songs written by these sad boys and <laughs> <laughs> voice songs so oh healing. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it is it totally is i think you gotta like like cry it out you know i've i've given myself time like i'll set a timer mm-hmm. okay sarah you are going to cry mm-hmm. and okay I'm, i can't believe i'm saying this on the radio and admitting this but i feel like it's the right thing to do the radio whatever this is <laughs> podcasts are kind of like the radio i have a comforting stuffed mm. animal from back in the day named Lammy. I feel like everybody ha- who doesn't have a Lammy. And uh, I will cry sad tears holding mm. Lammy for like, you know, it takes about five minutes, maybe mm-hmm. ten. And then I'm like, okay, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Time for Lammy to go back up on the shelf. <laughs> and yeah that's adorable i love that yeah when i'm sick sometimes that i just i'm like i just need so i will never i am a grown-ass woman who every now and then needs to bust out a a stuffed animal to cry i support that but just for like five to ten minutes yeah no big deal Mm -hmm. yeah it's no big deal i encourage (laughs) encourage it too another thing that i suggest that i do that i suggest maybe other people should do is just I might be like, okay, I'm sad or I feel grief and I can feel it in my heart. And now I'm just going to do my fucking day. I'm just going to do my day in the way that I need to do my day. So instead of like wallowing, which can happen, I just push myself to complete all the little tasks, all the little tasks. So I get up, I get ready for the morning, I eat breakfast, I go to work. And I'm just like, I guess this sadness emotionally and physically is going to be with me and I'm going to bring it along with me as the day goes on. You do that too, Sarah? I, there was a phrase that uh, my mom would tell me. She said, you sometimes just got to chop wood and carry mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. Chop wood and carry mm-hmm. water. So yeah. just do the day stuff. Like no matter what, you still have to like be a person. And sometimes you just go through the motions and then it, you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. I, I, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And, and also yeah. like, it helps me to remember that like, while I'm doing my day, the sadness doesn't stay 10 out of 10 the whole day. It goes from 10 out of 10 to seven out of 10 to four out of 10 to three out of 10 to nine or eight out of 10. Like it's sort of, it's coming in and out all day long, depending on yeah. what I'm doing or who I'm with or what I'm talking about or what I'm focusing on, you know? So like, Sometimes if I ask somebody like, oh, you're sad and well, how does the sadness manifest throughout the whole day? And then they can start to be like, well, I guess it's not that bad during lunch or it's not that bad at happy hour. And it's like, oh, okay. So there is relief that you feel throughout the day. And just realizing that is relieving in and of itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There are some great, I've never looked at them myself, but I've had clients who have told me there are great apps out there that will, that they've used to kind of track Mm -hmm. their emotions Mm -hmm. through the day. Some of them will even have a little, like a little Mm -hmm. alert or it'll say like time to log your emotions. And you just randomly checking in with yourself at any given time, say like, what am I feeling right now? And go, Oh, you know what? I'm not feeling as sad as I was Mm -hmm. before. 
is also telling your brain, like, this isn't forever, and you're not going to be in that hole. Like, look at how yep. different things are at this yeah. moment. And, and you can, yeah. with those apps, a lot of times you can color code each day, and then you can look back at the month and be like, oh, I actually had 10 green days when I thought they were all red yeah. days. Like, okay, okay. Like, I'm, I'm getting through this. This is going to be okay, you know? This is exactly what raising your awareness is. You know, sometimes it's another one of those kind of like therapy terms that we hear all around like, oh, awareness, awareness, awareness. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like, what the heck does that mean? Th- this is a, a perfect example of it. Like, raising your awareness of what your emotional state is in a way that more accurately reflects what's really going on. It's a way of kind of like being mindful and being present. Mm-hmm. And getting a, a real like temperature reading on on how you're feeling, so that you have like real information to go mm-hmm. off of. Like we're not very good at going. Oh, how did I feel last week? Oh, sad. It was definitely definitely mm-hmm. sad. But if we really just look at how am I feeling in this moment and take it moment to moment, it'll help us, you know, realize that the moments are not as right. They don't last as painful long. Painful or uncomfortable. Right. Oh 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. So there's also this... So I used to be... This is a whole other podcast episode that we're not going to get into right now. But I used to be like very into law of attraction and manifestation. Like your positive mm. thoughts will, is like creating your reality sort of stuff. Um, not as attached to it as before, but I know like all of the metaphysical language. And there are so many like activities that you do in order to like get into like a positive vibration, positive vibes only, right? Yes. And so there's this one that I really enjoy still to this day. And what you do is if you're listening, you can just like Google like the 22, like scale of emotions, 22 scale of emotions, law of attraction. And it kind of like gives you all of the emotions from, from bottom to top. And so let's say if you're trying to like go from, I'm feeling grief and brokenhearted, but you want to end up in like a place of like love and empowerment, if you work your way up the scale of emotions and you can start getting there, but it's hard to go from like despair to love. Like that is such a huge leap to try to like pivot your thoughts into that. So it's better to go one by one. So I'm going to try to do this (laughs) just sort of like, um, I love yeah. this. And, and we'll see if I can kind of like work my way up the scale of emotions to get to a place that feels better. So I'm going to start with, I feel a lot of grief and depression and despair about um, about my breakup. I'm just like, ah, I feel so sad. So like kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, like, am I ever going to find somebody again? Will I ever be in love again? I feel so much despair. I feel so desperate. And then I'm going to try to move up. Okay. So instead of feeling those sad, desperate feelings, I'm going to try to feel like, uh, I just kind of feel insecure, like, and unworthy, you know, like I just, I just, I'm not quite confident in myself. So that's like a little bit. Just one, one step, step. It's just up a little from. bit of relief. Then I'll go up another step and I'll be like, Ugh, I'm just sort of, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of all the other people that are in love and that like have figured it out and they found their person and everyone is married. I'm so jealous of everybody. And then I'm going to go up to like hatred or rage. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm so angry. Why is life like this? This is so annoying and frustrating. And then I'm going to discouragement. I'm so discouraged. Like, I don't want to get on the apps. I don't think this is going to work for me. Like, what the hell am I doing here? And then blame. Oh, I blame my mom. I blame my family because of these stupid patterns, relationship patterns that I go through. I'm going to worry. I worry that I'm never going to get through these relationships patterns that are following me from every relationship and then I'm going to doubt I doubt that I'm going to find somebody who's going to be a good match I'm going to go to disappointment I'm disappointed in myself for like not being able to like find somebody by the age of 42 who's my forever person and then overwhelmed I'm feeling really overwhelmed I don't know what to do and and now I'm going to go to frustration I'm just frustrated and irritated that this like hasn't worked out for me that I'm like still feeling this grief like how long is this going to last I'm going to go to pessimism like 
I just don't even know if the apps are going to work for me. Like, am I going to meet anybody who's like, who, like all the people that are single right now? Like, uh, who are these people? I don't even know. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to go to board. I'm like, ah, oh, this is kind of boring being single. <laughs> like, I'm just sort of like bored being on the apps. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do. And you know what? And then I'm going to go to contentment. Like, I'm kind of content being on my own. It's actually kind of like nice. I'm just doing my own thing, feeling all right. Like, eating my own dinner, I don't have to consider anybody else, and that feels kind of liberating. And I don't know, from here I can kind of get to, like, hopefulness of, like, I'm actually, like, I feel more healed. I feel like I'm a catch. I feel like somebody can, like, find things that are attractive. I bet I can find somebody who's, like, maybe not, like, my next per- my last person, but who's going to be just as interesting or even more interesting. Like, I am kind of hopeful, and now I'm feeling kind of optimistic, like, and a little more energized. And so maybe and I don't like the apps, but I'm going to get out there in real life and, like, meet people that are into my same interests and hobbies. And now I have this kind of, like, positive expectation and belief because it's just like, oh, I am actually meeting people. There are people out there, and I'm feeling like people are kind of giving me the eye, you know? Like, I can see that somebody's really interested or attracted in me, and I'm really enthusiastic and eager to, like, keep having this feeling. So now I'm going to go on, like, uh, blind dates that people are setting me up. I'm going to go on, like, dating events. I'm going to, like, now sign up for the apps because I'm super excited. And now I have this, like, passion to find my person. I'm going to find them. I know I will. I've met so many people. There's so many good matches out there that are a possibility and now I feel like so appreciative and I'm empowered and I feel liberated and I'm getting so close to love and I'm loving myself like this is a really exciting journey (sighs) okay so (laughs) that was the emotional scale I love love it it. because that it because it gives you a it's almost like each of those are different stops Mm -hmm. on a a, Mm -hmm. On a little train, and like if your destination is feeling love and feeling that fulfillment mm-hmm. feeling, and it feels like, and it the reality is that destination is way far mm. away from the train station of grief and mm-hmm. despair and fear and exactly. hopelessness. But if we first, if we don't go through all of those stops, it's kind of like if you don't look at the, uh, I don't know, that little subway map that has right. all the little stops mm-hmm. along it. You're like, oh, my God, what? I'm like freaking 25 stops away from that Mm -hmm. feeling. Yeah, it might take a little while to get there. Exactly. And you can recognize that we're just moving forward, even though we're not at our destination Mm -hmm. yet. Like, yeah, it's a little bit. And then I think about like what even like what I would tell myself or what I would tell a client in that situation where, okay, you feel despair and grief and sadness right now can you imagine feeling frustrated Mm -hmm. or feeling like just kind of contempt for like probably we could probably imagine that or even a time when you felt like that before where oh yeah i remember being like as you walked me through all of those steps and all of those little stops i'll call them Mm -hmm. in my mind uh I could imagine when I've been in those mm. situations and, and, oh yeah, I remember when I just felt like, oh God, I'm like, oh, so over this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah. yeah, all of those, all of those emotional stops is just like a little bit of relief from the last one and, and going from despair to anger feels better because anger has action, it has power. It's like you're getting out of bed. You're just like, you know, like yeah. you're going to do something about it instead of just like you know, just so much depression or sadness or despair or something. So, um, yeah. And, and those, like, I just did that in like five minutes. That's very unrealistic. I'm not going to be able to actually do that in five minutes. We spend sometimes (laughs) days or weeks at each stop, right. Until we kind of like go, or sometimes we, we skip one or two stops, you know, we just sort of jump up a few levels. Um, yeah. Take the express express train train or go, you know, go back down. And sometimes Uh like, when I'm at like despair and I try to jump all the way to optimism, it doesn't work and it makes it feel even worse. Right. So you have to kind of move up slowly and at like a reasonable pace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's very, very helpful. It just makes things and it recognizes all of the, like there are so many emotions. Mm -hmm. We kind of get like happy, sad, you know, angry, All of them in between. There really are a lot in between that we have to just feel. And like you said, like name and and identify. Mm -hmm. And 
If it's good for kids, here's like a general rule. If it's good for five-year-olds, mm-hmm. it's probably good for you. Naps, <laughs> hugs, mm-hmm. unconditional yeah, love. Just being allowed to feel you your know, feelings. Being like talking about your feelings, identifying your feelings. Mm-hmm. This is what this is the stuff. Yeah. That's the good yeah. stuff. So, yes. Oh, okay, Sarah. Anything else? Well, I hope that. Yeah, I just saw. Uh, well, no, I really. I mean, I think, I think that that uh, it's so helpful to recognize the human experience, like we all have, and how like these feelings are uh, real. And it's okay to feel. Not only is it okay to feel sad and to feel like you know there are those days, but it's like super human and super normal and like part of the human experience and I hope that this is a, a helpful reminder of that yeah alright good talking to you we'll see you next time bye you've worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.